With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. You're about to get wrecked. Rotowire's dedicated esports podcast, where we talk about all the latest events and what that means to you, the fans. Here's your host, Joe Bartle and Kevin Hill. Welcome to Rotowire's esports dedicated podcast, Get Wrecked. This is episode number four, special edition version, everyone, where we discuss League of Legends and the Manila Major. You're listening right now to Joe Bartle, and join alongside me, as always, is the wonderful Kevin Hitt. Is this one of those collector's editions that you're going to keep on your iPod forever, Joe? I keep everyone on my iPod forever. I'm not even sure what you're talking about. Yeah, outstanding. Yeah, this will be a collector's edition as we go in depth into uh, two different sports, talking League of Legends and Dota 2. Uh, kind of excited about that, actually, with the uh, Manila Major uh, happening right now. We actually have a plethora of guests that we're talking to. We have the very our Rotoware's very own Jack Ballinger, Ethan Sexton, and the lovely James Bates coming on to discuss all types of stuff, including League of Legends and Dota 2. Like Kevin said, the Manila Major is happening as we speak. But, of course, we have the LCS to just start up as well. So let's get right down to it. We sat down with James Bates directly after the end of the EU LCS on Thursday to discuss some incredible hot takes that he had, including his way, 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 way too early prediction. All right, after one day of competition in the EU, there was a lot of action discussed, particularly on Thursday. James, what was one of the most surprising things that you saw uh, in the games Thursday? Honestly, and as hard as this is to say, as a big fan of this team since they've come into the LCS, it was seeing Origin play today. Uh, the Origin G2 matchup was nothing like what I expected. Uh, we knew that Origin was going to take a hit with losing their bot lane to G2, but what we saw wasn't just a team that looked weaker. It was a team that looked, frankly, lost. You had no, You had no objective control. You had no semblance of strategy to their play and that's a big worry for a team like origin who's made it really outspoken been really outspoken about the fact that they don't think they need a guiding hand in learning these kinds of things and if the players themselves are having difficulty managing the strategy i feel like origin 
and it's hard, I know this is hard to say, Origin didn't look like a top six team in this series today. And that's almost inconceivable to us since they've come into the LCS. I mean, they got absolutely obliterated by G2, at least on Thursday. Uh, it was a little rattling to watch their performance, honestly. I agree entirely. And I think that they're going to, of all the teams that played today, I think Origin probably has the most that they need to prove to us. Uh, there's other teams that stumbled, like H2K against Rockat. Rockat took a game off. And if, to be perfectly honest, I think that's the story of today for me, is if you look at the way the, yeah. matchup, the matchups were, not, not just Rockat, no, no, the story of the day is if you look at the way the matches, uh, matches were all set up, you have one of the former top six teams against one of the bottom teams in every matchup. But in two of those matchups, Splice versus Vitality and Rockat versus H2K, you had the team that was weaker actually take a game off the team that had stomped them previously. Rockat actually had some moments in the second game, too, where I thought, hey, you know, they might be able to make a comeback and, and take the whole series. No, uh, I'll be honest, Rockat, I'll be t- tentatively saying this because it's been a joke for a couple for a year now that Rockat always looks good and then they fail us. But Rockat actually looked like they were living up the potential of what they've promised us for over a year now in terms of their performance. They they looked like a top six team and that's that'll be a new they, they got they got in the playoffs their first split, I believe, but they were soundly defeated. But this team, this looks like if they keep going like this track. They could have a shot at getting into the semis, getting into the finals, maybe. Is it a case where H2K didn't play up to the par that we're expecting from them? I think it's a hard question to answer. Because of the way that their roster shifted, we don't really know what to expect of H2K. You know, we've come to expect a very solid performance, usually switching Odoamne and Ryu. You've been able to switch a lot of people around these two players and then make a pretty consistent team. And on paper, I think Freeze is an upgrade to Forgiven. And that's a controversial statement, but in terms of his mentality and how he works with the team... I always thought it was an upgrade, so I had a high hopes for this roster. So I would say that personally they underperformed my expectations, but I think it's hard to say that this early on in the split because, like I said, we just don't have any anywhere, anywhere to judge this roster by. You know, I would I would li- I would like to frame it as Rockat overperforming. I think it's too soon to say it's H2K underperforming. I think they were probably taken as surprised by Rockat's decisiveness as we were. Is that kind of the same situation with Unicorns of Love, who really stumbled today? Yes and no. I think Unicorns of Love also is a situation where Schalke overperformed our expectations. You know, Schalke is the old Elements team. They've been a mainstay in the LCS for a while. They've been seventh place twice out of their three splits. Uh, they've just never been a team that anybody took too seriously. And it's mostly formed of players that were w- widely regarded as pretty weak on the teams they were on. You know, uh, Sprat, uh, Mr. Rales, Fox, and Gilius all come from three different teams where they were all eventually removed from the rosters for not being uh, up to par. I think... It, the expectations for Schalke were also were low, but I think that Unicorns of Love lost the offseason, and there's no way of really sugarcoating that. Uh, their roster got butchered. You know, they've they have they have their be- their best players are still there. Hillisang and Vizitachi, This is a very solid core to build a team around. But the reality is, if you're two star players on the opposite ends of the map, you're going to run into some difficulties if all the people in between them can't can't live up to par. And there's no way like Fox destroyed Exile, and he didn't look like he belonged on that stage today. I think I'm jumping the gun a little bit on this, but just based off of one game, my way too early prediction would be that Unicorns Love is not going to be in the top six. I don't think they're even be close. Just based off of how they performed uh, in Thursday, I thought that was dreadful. And I really liked the team, too. I liked them last split, and I was kind of sad to see how they performed, honestly. I will say that I don't. The reason I would I'd agree with you, but I would like preface that I also don't see Shulk necessarily as a top six team. Okay. I think they I think they are they're going to be a slot stronger than we expected, but I think we need to see more before we expect them to be a top six. And if Unicorns of Love got so utterly d- dominated by them today, either 
there's two possible narratives there is that Schalke is a lot better than we're getting credit for, which is possible. These players are all players who at some point have said, we've said, there's potential here. Uh, Fox looked very good in SK Gaming, his first split. Mr. Rollins looked pretty good on Rockhead, his first split, but he had a team, they both had dreadful teams around them. Uh, you know, Spraddle and Steve, they've, they're, they're solid role players. And Gilius, he he's a part of that rotating door of junglers Unicorns of Love have had, where he only played for a couple weeks, and it's really hard to judge a jungler and his performance with the whole team off of two weeks of games and scrims. So it's possible that these players just have a system that works out better than any of the better than the sum of their parts. But still, I can't put them in the top six with a straight face, which means that if they if Unicorns of Love got stomped by them, that's a pretty bad sign for Unicorns. And you know we're used to them being a competitive a mainstay in this in the LCS UELCS, but I don't know. They didn't even look better than some of the challenger teams that played. Oh, that's, a, that's a bold statement. Oh yeah. my. And that's, I mean, they, the second game was just one of the most one-sided games I've ever yeah. seen. A 25, 25 minute game where a victor is 10, two and nine, 25 minutes. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable uh, performance. And you can't steal my word. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I, do I think that unicorns love us the potential? Yes. There's Chachi move. Hillisang. These are tested players. But Veritas and, and Exile, they're all going to have to step up big time because this is not a metagame where your AD carry and mid laner can just not exist. Okay, you moving know? on from that contest, you had mentioned Splice versus Team Vitality earlier. I mean, Splice took a game off them, which is a surprise to many. What What do you think was the reason behind that? Oh, that's a that's a hard question. Um, that's, that's what just, I'm here for. This is what I, this is this this is the game I had on like my second half of the screen while I was really paying attention to the other one. Uh-huh. Honestly, it looked like Kabi just popped off. Like, and it's easy to say. It's a kind of a cop-out based on the KDA. But it looked like that they just took fights that they weren't fully planned out around ahead of time. You know, they didn't visualize the fight before they took it. And then they ended up in situations where they got into something they couldn't close. And that's really concerning to me because that's always been what we've known Team Vitality as. We always call them one of the strategic teams. They're, like, they're up there with H2K in terms of that being one of their strengths. Is, you know, Not necessarily mechanics, but planning things out and coming out ahead. Uh, game two, I think we saw that a lot more. We saw their macro come into play a lot in a much bigger way. Uh, but game one, it looked pretty rough. And I think the casters were quick to just blame it on nobody knowing how to play again around Vladimir and Lucian being o- overpowered and whatnot. And I, I have to agree, Splice got a very strong draft in game one, but they also did in game two. So we'll have to see. It's one of those... Sit on it and see what happens. I, I, I'm not comfortable drawing a prediction of what's going to happen there. I think Splice has been a team that has underperformed its first split, surely. Uh, Sid Cux, we are, everybody who only watches the EU LCS probably thinks of him as a pretty weak mid laner, especially compared to Perks, and they ascended at the same time. But if you go back and watch the EU, EU Challenger series, when these two both played it out to see who was going to auto-promote, uh, it was Sid Cux, not uh, Perks, who looked like the, the dominant mid laner coming in. So there's potential on this Splice roster, but it, it, we've just not seen it. Well, James, Cuts, I wonder where looked really good in Challenger and they just didn't come. If this Maybe this is the time. Well, James, maybe let me ask work. you a question about that Splice Vitality match. Sure. First of all, how important is it for a team like Splice that maybe figures that they're not one of the top-ranked teams and that, you know, in all honesty, they're supposed to do poorly in this split? But how important is it to teams like Splice to get in there with teams like Vitality and mix it up and go to a great draw, and then they get Rokat in the next round, a team that looks to be almost in the same tier? I mean, what if Splice comes out of that match you know, with two wins? Uh, what do you see in terms of how important it is to start off hot in the, in the first couple matches in the split? 
Oh, it's it's definitely important. I think that's uh, I'll I'll be interject some of my some of my personal knowledge. Uh, Trashy is a friend of mine. I I worked with him when he was in North America, and I know that they got really beat down by the what happened to them their first split in. Sure. Especially because even behind the scenes for a month beforehand. They'd been performing very poorly in scrims beforehand as well. You know, it's really hard to get out of that that rut once you're in it. And if they if you if they take Rocket to two zero tomorrow, then we might well see the splice that we expected. You know, Wonderware he led the he led the league in CS differential last split, despite being on a team that I think they had two wins. You know, very convincingly last place team. He still led the league in CS differential. He was one of the highest damage per minute top laners. You know, there's there is potential here, and if they manage to get themselves into thinking, hey, we can fight this, we can we can make it all the way, maybe they will, and that's what's exciting in in Europe. Sometimes, you know, this <laughs> this happens. Well, that's why we play the matches, right? I mean, everybody looks good on well, most the top tier teams look good on paper, and they're supposed to win. But the great thing about esports is that on any given day, just like in traditional sports, seems like anybody can win. Well, I would like to temper that statement with, well, we, I will have to uh, wait to see more of Splice before I bet against them. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a, a G2 or Fanatic. Or a prudent position to be in. No, you were going to temper that statement with, if Fanatic is playing them, they're certainly going to lose. Because that's definitely what your number one scream was watching today. Fanatic versus Giants, and they absolutely <sighs> destroyed them. Is it fair to say that they're going to go quite a while without losing any games? First, supposed to be say guilty as charged. That was definitely what had all my attention. Uh-huh. Uh, it's hard to judge. Um, I would say Giants did not look like the worst team that played today. Knight was very promising. Uh, he took, I mean, he took Febben to task game one. Uh, to to be perfectly honest, you know, he was a big playmaker. He saved his team multiple occasions. We didn't quite see the same thing game two, but I also would say that he didn't really have the same potential on the champion. Azir is just one of those champions that can do that actually can just win a game by himself and control a game by himself. Vladimir, not so much. Doesn't really have any control of anything. Can't do anything like that. Uh, but even then, he still did admirable against Febben until Febben, you know, became 9-0-10 and won the yeah. game easily. <laughs> the god that he's supposed to be. The god that he's supposed to be. He, he's living back up his 2015 self. But honestly, as thrilled as I was to see Fnatic stomp Giants, they got a little bit hyphy in the first game. They kind of bought into the the chaos that was going on on the giant side, and they got they get the better of them. You know, they, there was some sloppy play, and while I think G2 did the same against Origin, so perhaps they're equally matched on that case. It's hard for me to still say that I think Fnatic is comprehensively better than G2. I think they're probably on more even footing than they were before. I would say that Fnatic versus G2 is currently the matchup to look out for in this split. But if you say that I'm going to bet on them winning everything, not I, my money's not set yet. Well, they have Vitality on Friday, and then next week they're going to have Unicorns of Love and H2K. So, I mean, it's not like it's a murderer's row for those first four games. I think they easily could be on top of the standings by that point. Certainly. Um, but I think for a team like Fnatic, it's a little bit less important. Uh, you know, Splice, we talked about how Splice getting that early momentum would be really important, but that's a lot of that has to do with the players on Splice that are very much rookies, and they, they've already we already know they get into the rut and get emotional. Uh, Fnatic, they've demonstrated they're not going to get, the, the momentum doesn't get to them as much. You know, they had their perfect split in summer, and they took their first loss in Game 1 against Origin in the finals, and they just sort of shrugged it off and kept playing as if they were still the same undefeated team. So, I don't think it'll matter as much. Do I think they'll take all those games? I hope so. Uh, I think I think they'll probably beat Vitality if Vitality played like they did today. It's worth noting that Fnatic has so far not lost a game to Vitality in their uh, history. I think except in the best of series, but they're pretty much a perfect record against them. So I think it's a good matchup for them. 
H2K looks weak, as, you, as we said earlier. Perhaps, but does it, at the end of the day, Fnatic is, Fnatic's not going to not be in the playoffs. You know, last, well, split, last split was probably the weakest we're ever going to see Fnatic again. So uh, they're not too worried about record. They're worried about how they stack up against the best teams. You know, because they, they know they're going to get there, but they want to win it. Uh, like Yellowstar said on stream today. Yeah. Well, one of the fun facts about Yellowstar is Fnatic has never missed an EU LCS final when Yellowstar is on the roster. So there is that. Well, they never missed an EU LCS final period until last split. So <laughs> coming right back at you, Kevin. Was Yellowstar on the roster? No. Yellowstar has. Oh, last yeah, split. Yes. Yes. Sorry. You got me. You did get me. <laughs> Hey, there we go. We just, we just tell you, Kevin. If you if you go to Berlin, there's going to be a whole lot of uh, fanatic flags over in those Mark championships. Mark that down right now. That's the first time in the history of potentially potentially ever James admits he was wrong. Let's transition away from this right now. Uh, after one game Thursday, James, I want you to give me one way 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 too early prediction right now on the spot. What do you got? Well, obviously, fanatic's going to win the with the split again. Oh boy. This doesn't uh, surprise me, actually. Joe, you sound so excited about that. <laughs> no, honestly, if if you look back at the last time Fnatic and G2 met in the semifinals, the last split, it was a much more close contest than most people thought. And I think, honestly think that if Fnatic had been the same decisive team they are today, then they might have won out against G2. Because that is one problem G2 has demonstrated before, is yes, they will find the answers to win the games very consistently, but they take time to get there. And when Yellowstar is on Fnatic, they don't give you time. He sees you, he goes, and they kill you or they die trying. And that's always been the Fnatic style of play, and it's very refreshing to see it again. So my two-bold prediction, Fnatic's going to win this split or they're going to die trying, and it's going to be a wild ride no matter what. Now, we probably should have prefaced this for the RotoWire audience, but James is probably as big a Fnatic fan as you can possibly find. Am I saying that correct? Is that a I, fair I, statement? I own the Fnatic Snuggie, just so everybody in the audience I didn't knows even know this. they made those. Uh, they're called the Gamer Gear, <laughs> but it's a Fnatic Snuggie. And it's comfortable when it's Is it cold. comfortable because it's Fnatic, or is it comfortable because it's, you know, No, it's like the most uncomfortable garment I've ever worn. Not because it's not comfortable, but because it's designed for where Fnatic live in London, where it's cold, whereas I live in Southern California, where it's 80 degrees at night. So more of a poor marketing decision, or... <laughs> A poor purchasing decision on my part, you could say. I think my way, way, way too early prediction is that Rocat is going to actually be a, a playoff tier team. I really think that they have a chance to rebound um, based off of their years and years of poor experiences, quoting James. <laughs> kind of not really, sort of. Year, year period. Year yeah, period. yeah. I, I think um, I, I really think that they have a chance to rebound, and I don't, I don't think they're going to make noise. I don't think they're going to win any actual playoff series. But just the fact that they're going to be able to get back in there, um, I think they took H2K a lot more seriously than people thought was going to happen in that matchup. It was going to be a cakewalk, and it wasn't the case. I really think that with how even the EU side of things is, they really have a shot to make some noise and, and surprise some people. I think the one Rockette fan left thanks you for your faith. Well, you know what? We got to represent. They're going to they're gonna go all the way to the playoffs. That's it. <laughs> uh, Joe, would you like to know my uh, my prediction? I'm a little afraid, honestly, to hear what your, your one way, way, way too early prediction is. Um, my one way, way, way too early prediction will be um, Splice will finish in the top six. Okay, why do you say that? Uh, I think after watching their match today and watching uh, the effectiveness against uh, you know a team that I think is an equal in skill level, I think especially with Rokat not playing as well as I think they should, 
And uh, I think they can. I think they can eke out a couple wins here. Maybe splitting with a couple teams. Um, maybe beating a Rocat 2-0. Maybe splitting with some other teams. And as other teams start to knock each other off, I think these guys are going to have a good chance to have a good enough record to finish in the top six. And if they do, they should be very happy with this split. All right, but here's the thing. Unfortunately, that means four teams can't be in the top six. So of the ones that made in the playoffs last year, who are you knocking out? Well, I think there's two teams that actually that made playoffs last year that might not make it uh, as Splice might knock them off. I think uh, Vitality and Unicorns of Love with the uh, way they've been playing recently, I could very well see Splice knocking one or two of those guys down. Are, are so you, you got- saying, Kevin, that you don't have great faith in the carry potential of Mighty Bear? Well, James, you know, Mighty Bear went 0-3-1 and one against Splice. <laughs> this and, rousing 0-3-1 uh, performance. His yeah, first game so he's not, he's not inspiring much confidence in me as a jungler. <laughs> so I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not very uh, sure about his skills uh, on that team being a jungler, and he might be the reason they don't make it. All right, we're going to bump uh, to a different matter here. If we're talking about things that are not inspiring much confidence, we're going to have Ethan Sexton on a little bit later to discuss more of the Rotowire Fantasy League of Legends draft that just took place yesterday. But, James, I wanted to go over a little bit with you well, what, what you, you thought of your roster that took place. Well, sir, I put my faith in the Riot auto draft functions. <laughs> and as my TSM laden roster demonstrates, their algorithms are working wonderfully. Uh, is your team name Fanatic? I, I didn't see. Uh, no, uh, we all took it from him. It was Glorious Mother Russia. I wish it was going to be EU Faith, but then because I advertised my strategy of Fanatic being the best team, apparently everybody decided to hate draft Fanatic players, and that is why I went to the auto-drafter. I drafted Fevivin, I drafted the Fanatic Pennant, and then I decided to auto-draft because it didn't matter to me anymore because somebody on our t- team, uh, somebody in our staff decided to take uh gamsu and spirit as their as as sixth pick and eighth pick respectively locking out my strategy of picking all the fanatic players my favorite part of this draft was that james has been bashing double lift for what feels like the whole like since we started working together and here he goes ahead and picks him as his starting ADC. So, James, walk me through that <laughs> yeah, decision that to to bring this glorious talent on your team that well, was well, apparently you see, trash. Joe, you, see, you see, Joe, there's this player named Reckless, and he wasn't available for me to draft. And while it sounds I per- like you did poor planning for this. You know, I'm starting to I'm starting to have doubts about my advertised everybody that I plan to pick all a fanatic strategy. But don't worry, <laughs> I have faith. Now, how, James, how many roster moves have you already made to fix your auto draft team? <laughs> uh, there's been two major major swaps. For some reason, auto draft decided that Vizichachi would be a better starter than Hanser, and I think that I was justified in switching those two around based off Vizichachi's incredible performance today. And I had Hillisang as my starting support, who I turned into big. As anybody who's read my DraftKings articles know, I've chosen big as the pick of pick of the week, quote unquote, some seven times running due to his uh, undervalued status and. I have great faith in his ability to beat Phoenix 1 and Cloud9 in the first week because I think they're probably the two weakest teams in the NAS. You are knocking you are knocking Cloud9 and I think that's unfair. That's I'm going to say that right now. I think it's unfair uh considering that I started the process of drafting two teams in Team Envious and Team Cloud9. I I don't know why you're knocking them. Joe, I have a very important question for you that determines the entire fate of Cloud9 season. You ready? I'd love to answer that for you. Is high on the starting roster. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. How can you? How can he not be? I, well, okay. So just like the last split, it's gonna be where he'll be out for two or three weeks. They'll start being really awful again, and then he'll be like, "Oh God, I have to come back," well, and he'll play. Well, Joe, when is Big playing against Cloud Nine? Okay, fine. So for the first two <laughs> weeks, Big is gonna crush it against Cloud Nine, and you'll feel great about yourself. But then when High comes back, Cloud Nine's gonna crush it, and I'm gonna make fun of you on the chats the you whole know, time. I'm, I'm gonna That's go, how it is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go acquire High right now, just so when that day happens, I could put High in as the support instead. It'll probably be the week you play against me too. Like let's be Somebody honest. Somebody already like owes High. What? Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just a. Uh, Oh God! Well, I don't even know what you call it. You're just you're picking for the future. That's how you you're stashing. You're stashing the pick All right, right now. Thunderstorm. I have your number. Well, James, thanks for coming on today. It was a real treat to have you talk some EU and give us your way, 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 way too early predictions. Uh, I'm looking forward to having you on again next week to discuss more League of Legend action. Well, I look forward to coming on, and I look forward to seeing some more exciting Europe games. You know, I always say Europe's the best region because anything can happen, and I think we're going to see that this split. Well, and I look forward to trashing your fantasy team every week from here on out. Now with NVS is your opinion. And that was James Dreamweaver Bates with Everything League of Legends. Uh, he's, again, one of our writers here at Rotowire. Um, he does a lot of things. He actually coached his own uh, NA team as they attempted to get into the Challenger division. And from what I understand, they did fairly well. So uh, exciting to have James on board, Joe. Uh, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, we've had him on earlier. He's a terrific talent, just both knowledge of it and able to articulate it quite well. And I just appreciate listening to what he has to say for that kind of stuff. Well, one RotoWire opinion is always great. We're going to bring on Ethan Sexton, League of Legends expert, DFS extraordinaire, and one of our best writers on staff, if I might say, to discuss some of the League of Legends action that's taking place over on the North America side and who he thinks is going to be one of his best DFS picks for the year. All right, so Ethan... How do you construct your alpha draft lineups? I know that you're really into DFS, and I mean, you wrote a whole bunch of articles for us already on Rotoware. What's your strategy going in, just kind of on the outset, how you like to set up your lineups? Well, the basic way I like to start uh, doing research for my lineups is to take a look at the players in matchups where I think they'll do well, whether they'll team their team will win, uh, maybe they have individual matchups. Say like Huni against a, another weak top laner. That's somebody you'd automatically want to target. The problem is when you go to do that is that in situations like that, Huni will always be extremely expensive. So it makes it kind of difficult to make a lineup out of just players who are going to dominate the other team. Um, I think DFS for League of Legends specifically is more of a tournament-oriented uh, game instead of a cash game. If you know the difference there, the cash games are, you know, your 50-50s, your head-to-heads, your double-ups, things of that nature, where you want to be a little more conservative with your lineups. The tournaments and the guaranteed prize pools, the big money tournaments, things like that, I think they lend themselves more to league because in league DFS, stacking is a great way to go. So As on is alpha, most DFS. Yeah, true. I mean, stacking is a very common uh, strategy used in tournaments in Every DFS sport, baseball, football, etc. Um, but for league, it works out great because if on Alpha Draft you can get up to three people from one team, and if you pick, say, like uh, like yesterday, I had a good feeling about uh, Fnatic. G2. Oh, it, well, <laughs> <A> Fnatic. <laughs> I, I had a good feeling about Fnatic. Yeah, that was James. That was I had, James. I mean, G two. I felt like we're almost guaranteed to two zero Origin. Okay. Yes, on, on the opening day of the LCS. 
So I immediately put three members of G2 into my lineup, uh, Perks, Trick, and Sven, because they're the three main carries of the team. Uh, it worked out well in a sense because they did 2-0 Origin, but it didn't work out great at the same time because they scored a little bit less than most people would have expected, probably. But that's the thing why I think daily League of Legends kind of lends itself more to tournaments is it's hard to predict sometimes. Like on DraftKings yesterday, I know we're talking about Alpha Draft, but on DraftKings yesterday, I played three members from Schalke 04 because I thought that they were the best underdog of the day. So I played them in my tournament with a G2 stack, and that one worked out great because Schalke dominated, and I want to say they put up the most points of the day yesterday, maybe outside of Fnatic. But Fnatic were so much more expensive than Schalke that it just worked out great to have a value team putting up tons of points. So Ethan, when constructing your rosters, it seems that um, you want to have at least one pick that might not be on everybody else's roster to uh, maybe take you to first place. Because it seems like if everybody has the same players on their team, uh, nobody's going to win. So how do you, do you have a, a way, do you have a method, do you... How do you find that one player that maybe uh, takes your team to first place that nobody else sees? Well, that's a good question because it is kind of difficult to do. Because basically when you look, you start doing your research on the day, you look at the schedule and you see the top teams are playing the bottom five teams, for instance, kind of like it was yesterday for the most part. And you think, well, obviously the top teams are going to score more points. They're going to win their matchup. Winning teams usually score more points, etc. Well, everybody's going to be on those teams because it's pretty, it's fairly obvious, you know, like yesterday, yesterday, again, for instance, G2 against origin, even though origin is considered a top level team, most people think that G2 is way ahead of them. Or I guess a better example actually would be from yesterday, Fnatic against Giants. Fnatic are always a top two, three team. Giants were terrible last year. Nobody thinks they're going to be much better this year. So everybody was on Fnatic. Um, and basically, in tournaments, you're absolutely right. You want to differentiate yourself. You want to get some low-owned plays and try to make them work. Um, so basically, if I'm looking to be contrarian or try to get some plays that I think people won't have, won't be as popular, I look at my favorite underdog of the day. And I think to myself, what could go right if they win this matchup? So using the Schalke example from yesterday, I didn't think it was a guaranteed thing that they would beat Unicorns of Love yesterday. I just felt that that was going to be the closest matchup. And I tried to use players like Fox is a great example. Fox had a great split on Unicorns of Love last year. And he was cheap on DraftKings yesterday. He was cheap on Alpha Draft yesterday. And I said, well, if Schalke win... He's going to be a big reason why. So he was one of my plays from Schalke yesterday. He ended up scoring a ton of points at a tiny salary, and he was only like 15% owned, I think. So basically what I like to do is try to look at a team I think has a chance to upset or a chance to, to do well and get them at a cheap price and take their carries, take their mid laner, their AD carry, because those are the guys that usually score the most points. Okay. Well, that's some great insight into how you set your lineups. I'm curious because I know you're far more successful than I am in DFS, uh, just how you structure a lineup in, in that way. You've been talking a lot about EU, um, but as we're recording this on Friday, we can actually talk a little bit about uh, North America League of Legends and see what's kind of happening for this weekend for the future. So do you feel like you have particular plays that you're going to pick out and focus on for DFS purposes uh, for the NA side of things for League of Legends? Uh, you mean for this weekend? I'm talking just the whole season. Overall? Yeah. It's 
it's tough. I mean, you generally know who you want to go after, right? But it's it's kind of fluctuates week to week because it's it's League of Legends is very matchup dependent. It's not like baseball where I mean, baseball is also matchup dependent where you have a right-handed hitter who dominates left-handers, say. Um, but League is very team-centric at the same time. So mainly, you know, you're always going to want to try to focus on the top teams. I mean, teams like Immortals, uh, who probably take a step back this year from their amazing spring split, but still have a dominant team that should put up a ton of fantasy points this year. Uh, teams like that are great to look after week to week. They're also going to be pretty expensive most of the time. The same thing goes, I think, Joe, you made a great point when we were talking about fantasy in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, CLG, with the switch to the best of three series, I think CLG are a great team to target this year because throughout the past year, they've really shown that they know what they're doing in these best of series. And a lot of times, in the past anyway, they haven't been too, too expensive like the Immortals uh, on sites like Alpha Draft or DraftKings where you can't use them or you can't use a ton of them. So CLG are another good team. I mean, TSM are going to be a good team. You know, the top teams are the teams you're going to want to focus in on. But if I can give you a sleeper, I'm really digging Envy. All right? Yes! Woo. Now, not the whole team, but Seraphim oh. Ninja, I really think are sneaky DFS plays this year because they played great on Renegades last year yeah. and put up great fantasy points on a you know, quite frankly, a crappy team. <laughs> well, I can't take credit for, or I can't take all the credit for the CLG suggestion, but we, we did have a good conversation about that. And most of my information came from James, who we had on earlier discussing the EU side of things. So clearly he knows his stuff for both sides. But I, I like that team because I think they've had experience, particularly with Midseason Invitational. They've had more experience than the NA teams in the best of format. And I think that can only help them because we know NA is not as strong as EU. We know that North American teams just aren't. So you're going to be able to take some of those players like Stixa and Afromu. I really think he's going to be good like as a support. I know you don't like paying up for him, but I would take him in these situations because I think he really impacts how the team wins and loses matchups. That, I think you have a good point there. I mean, Afromu is one of the best supports across both LCS regions, I think. And sometimes I feel like he doesn't really get the credit he deserves, although the past years really helped, obviously, with CLG winning back-to-back domestic titles. My thing with supports is um, it's not that I mind people paying up for supports. It's just personally, I don't do it at least in tournaments because the upside on a consistent basis isn't the same as, say, a carry in the mid lane or an AD carry or a top laner. It's not to say that a support can't outscore them because it can happen. I mean, you can have a support get 20 plus assists a game. It's just it's a little tougher to predict uh, who that support is going to be that's going to score the most points. And a lot of times the variance isn't as high as support. So say Aframu is like, I don't know, seven and seven and a half thousand on alpha draft in a tough matchup, but they're favored. That's why it's still expensive, but you can get someone like Kiwi kid at a cheaper price against like Phoenix one. Then I would, that's usually why I recommend going with the cheaper guy because usually you'll see, Afromu might get, say, 15 assists in a game, but maybe Kiwi Kid gets like 12 and he's a thousand bucks cheaper or something. And then you can pay up for somebody like Huni or Bjergsen in a great matchup. So, I mean, generally it's just that supports on average don't score as much as the carry in an 80 carry mid right. top lane or even jungle roll. So that's usually why I don't spend quite as much on them. Uh, but I agree with your point that Afromu 
consistently is probably going to be one of the top scoring supports in DFS this year. Kevin, you've been suspiciously quiet over there. Do you have any questions for our DFS guests? I know you actually want to make some money because you keep spending it all the time. Well, yeah, Joe, I'm 6'5 when I stand in my wallet, bro. Absolutely. So <laughs> let, let me, you know, Ethan, uh, you know, obviously as an expert with the, uh, you know, Alpha Draft and the uh, DraftKings League of Legends games, what is your best advice for somebody that just wants to get into the game for the first time? They're looking to start to play. Um, what? Give me kind of an overall assessment of, you know, what they should do in order to, uh, to play and, and start to be competitive. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that's important is to know the rules. Uh, look at the contest contest oh, formats. Uh, see where your points are going to be coming from. On most of the sites, you're going to get, I think it's about three points for a kill, two points per assist, and negative one point per death. So when you're going to construct a lineup, you really want to try to hone in on guys that are going to get a lot of, ass- of kills and assists. And that's usually why I like to focus on trying to get the big mid laner or the big AD carry on a certain day, because that's where the majority of kills and assists come from on teams. Well, kills anyway, assists, you know, you're going to get a lot from supports. And that's another reason why I usually pay down a bit for a support is because getting to 10 assists for a support is easier than getting to 10 kills for a carry. And you get bonus points once you reach that 10 kill or assist plateau. So if you can pay down for support in a good matchup that's going to get 10 assists and get those bonus points and the extra savings allows you to pay up for a carry who might get close to 10 kills in a game, that's a good way to go usually. And um, obviously you want them to come to Rotowire to do some research into their, uh, you know, our cheat sheets. So, and how many absolutely. times do we put that out? Uh, how many times do we put out those cheat sheets for uh, maybe beginning players? Uh, it's a, it's supposed to be a daily thing uh once in a while i get caught up or busy doing something else and i can't do it every single day but i try my best to get cheat sheets out there for na and eu lcs on a daily basis all right let's move away a little bit from the dfs now i know you're an expert on alpha draft and DraftKings, but you're also an expert in our fantasy lcs league that took place wednesday we had james come on yesterday yesterday being thursday night and discuss a little bit of the rosters and we he had complained about he was auto drafted and then just ranted and raved about how much he loved Fnatic. Looking at your roster and looking at how the rest of our league played out, are there any surprise picks that you felt took place Wednesday night? I mean, first thing, James only has himself to blame. You know what I mean? Absolutely. He was there in the beginning and then he left, said he was going somewhere, said something was more important. So he only has himself to blame. As far as surprise picks, I think the one pick that kind of stuck out to me in the early going was Forgiven got taken really early. And I want to say he was also auto-drafted, and I can't remember whose team he's on. But I am just like such a forgiven hater when it comes to fantasy. I think he's a very mechanically skilled and a good AD carry in the real game. But for fantasy, he is like the most frustrating person to own. Well, he actually got auto-drafted by our very own League of Legends editor, Wyatt. Uh, and he's not surprisingly going to get slaughtered by James this week because <laughs> James is sporting the Febben Fanatic duo right now, which is almost displacing the whole team that Wyatt was auto-drafted. So, Ethan, let me ask you this. Um, looking at my roster of I Hate Cats uh, is my team name. What do you see that I can improve upon in terms of um, uh, the picks that I made? Kevin, Kevin, I don't want you to start complaining now that you couldn't get in the league. We told you how to do it. You have to actually play League of Legends. And I know you keep Wait, saying that you have to play? Has it. No, no. You have to actually play. You have to sign up. And you were the one who didn't do it. So that blame is all on you. So, so don't Ethan, even talk about your team. Ethan, back to my roster of I Hate Cats. Um, 
what what did I miss and what did I do well? <laughs> I don't know how to answer, man. I mean, just like James, you only have yourself to blame for not being in the league. Well, thank you so much for that. I actually feel really bad for Wyatt because he auto-drafted three Origin members like way earlier than they should have been picked, and it might hurt him. Well, where did you think they should have went? I mean, he has forgiven Power of Evil and Amazing, and I mean, Amazing is okay. He's like a mid-tier. He's not amazing? I, they're all kind of like mid-tier players, right? But the thing about Origin is they had such an awful split last year, and after such a great summer split in 2015... Uh, it really came as a surprise how bad they were in the spring split. And the only reason they really even made playoffs is because that bot lane of Mythians Ven really carried them through the regular season. And losing them was always going to hurt. I mean, in my opinion, that's the best bot lane duo in Europe, maybe in the entire LCS. It's hard to say. Like, I'm like a huge Ven fanboy. I think he's like the best AD carry in the LCS. And he's like my favorite target every year to try to get in fantasy since he came on the scene uh, in summer of last year. So I just think origin were always due for a step back this year. And while I still think they can be a top six playoff caliber team, I just think that their players are more mid tier in fantasy terms, at least. Okay. We'll move away from Wyatt's roster that we'll trash and he won't even hear about. <laughs> um, James, on Thursday, was discussing my lineup, in particular making fun of me having two pennants, Team Envious and Team Cloud9. Uh, and I was saying, hey, it's a good deal. I can flip it a little back and forth, just like fantasy football. You can switch the DFS. You can switch the uh, defensive special team units. And I think it's going to work out great. He was trashing it. What do you think about my strategy to switch both Cloud9 and Team Envious up? Uh, personally, I wouldn't do it. I hate you. And I... <laughs> It's not to say that I think you were stupid for doing it or anything like that. No, you can say that. That's Um, actually fine. (laughs) The only reason I say that I wouldn't do it is because in an 18 league like we're in, uh, there's always going to be probably a decent option on the waiver wire to pick up and stream if you wanted to do that. And the other thing is I think it's really important to try to use your three bench spots to get at least a second mid laner, a second AD carry, and probably a second top laner and jungler. Obviously, you, you, you can use one of those in your flex role. So say if you have two good mid laners, you can use two in your flex role, no problem. Uh, but on your bench, I think you always want to kind of have the an actual player instead of a second team. As you are trashing the AD carries. Points. You are trashing the AD carries when we were going through the draft. And I'm listening to you. I'm like, oh boy, I don't want to upset this DFS uh, <laughs> season-long expert we have here. I don't want to look like a fool. I'm going to pivot and take the two pennants. And then you just proceed to make fun of me all through our Twitter and the rest no, of the No, no, I'm sorry, Joe. That's revisionist history. As I remember, that was a misclick draft. You didn't no, do that No, it was purpose. intentional. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure a mistake Yeah, was I'm fairly certain that was a misclick draft that you're trying to turn into an on-purpose thing. So, no, Joe, we're not going to let you get away me. with that, this man. This is blasphemy. Yeah. What you're, this is treason what you were saying right now. You cannot be talking this kind of slander to your League of Legends editor and your your uh, esports editor, I, I'm not happy For with any that. business inquiries, you can reach me at kevinlhit <laughs> at gmail.com. My resume is posted. Okay, fine. So let's say that the accident happened. How would you remedy this, Ethan? Who would you pick up right now looking at our, our fantasy league, looking at the free agents that are available? Who would you cut? Is it Mr. Rawls? I mean, that I should pick up instead of having to... Pe- I was actually thinking about picking up uh, Mr. Rollins, because 
like you said, I, I wasn't necessarily trashing the ADC pool. It's just that the 80 carries went really fast in our draft. And I, I have two on my roster, uh, but I'm not really confident in my backup. Um, and usually I like to try to get two of the top eight or nine 80 carries, uh, which I didn't really accomplish. So I was thinking about picking up Rollis. I mean, Schalke are going to be like a mid-tier team when it's all said and done, I think. But he does have the potential to be able to carry games. So he's one of those guys you can put in on certain weeks when Schalke have two good matchups and feel pretty comfortable that he'll at least put up an average performance. Now, to be uh, fair, I actually have two of them. I have Police. You do, yep. And I have Steelback, who I was trashing all throughout prior to this and then felt I had to draft him because it was later. So I would be having three in this situation. Yeah, you're only missing. So you have two of the best mid laners in the league uh, with Perks and Bjergsen. Uh, so you were set up pretty good with mid laners. If I was you, until that myth clicks, I'd try to pick up a second top laner. Although there's not too many top laners left. The only one that I'm looking at right now is the one I can ever say. So I'm just going to call him Busy. I know <laughs> you struggle at that too. Yeah. Don't. I can't ever spell it. Exactly. It's annoying. Exactly. So don't even <laughs> knock me for out. So he's, he's, he's a good yeah. player. He got dropped in our league. Uh, he has carry potential from the top lane. He can play tanks. He's a versatile player. He's a good player. Um, I would probably pick him up, except I have Hooney, who will never come out of my lineup. And I have Kikis, who I think is fine. He's not he's not a sexy player, but he always does a solid job for GT. Is he unattractive? Is that what what is he unattractive? Well, no, actually he uh he no, like, got don't even answer. This is a trick question. Split, man. This is a trick question. <laughs> no, no, don't I, even answer. He's really he's really in tune with his uh, image. He got like a makeover. He dyed his hair blonde, took his glass of glasses off. So he's a new man coming into the split. <laughs> I'm sure that'll help him perform better. Ethan, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking a little DFS with us. Uh, I really appreciate having you on because I feel like I'm smarter when I'm listening to you. I feel like I'm going to make more money. I feel like Kevin has to make more money just by default because he's never in these things. Uh, and I really appreciate your knowledge. Thank you. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. And that was RotoWire's own Ethan Sexton, the DFS and season-long League of Legends expert. You can follow him at RW underscore Sexton on Twitter. Um I really enjoyed listening to his take on how to handle Alpha Draft and DraftKings lineups there. Yeah, no, that's that's actually really good. He gave a lot of good information about, you know, from being an expert to being a beginner. And, uh, you know, I think that's a great thing to learn. If, if you want to get into the sport and you want to learn how to play, that was some really good information. Okay, moving on from League of Legends, we have the Manila Major coming up. Kevin, who are we talking to for this today? We have Jack Ballinger, another RotoWire staff member. I mean, you know how we talk about James as being a savant for uh, League of Legends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, Jack. Jack is our resident Dota 2 savant. This guy knows his stuff, knows the players, knows the game, knows the meta. Um, I'm, I'm excited to uh, have sat down with him doing that interview, man. The start of the LCS isn't the only exciting action happening in esports this weekend. Of course, we have the Manila Major occurring. Dota 2? Dota 2, that's right. So, RotoWire is bringing Jack Ballinger on to discuss all of the events that are taking place in Manila. How's it going, Jack? I'm doing well, thanks. How are y'all? Oh, doing just fine. So, right. let's get right down to it. Which team do you feel like has the best chance to win the Manila Major? Well, in my compendium, I picked Team Liquid because they've just been the most consistent team recently. Uh, they just won Epicenter, which was basically a major event the teams there were all fantastic um they've been playing really well even before that they were second at shanghai and then second at esl manila where they lost to wings in their like major breakout performance and then if you even want to go back into last year 
first place at the defense, first place at the Dota 2 Champions League. Um, they brought two coaches to this event, so I just think they're they've set themselves up for success. Well, I know Kevin's all excited about the coaches that they brought because coaching is is his thing. Absolutely. You cannot win high-level tournaments without somebody that knows what they're doing behind the scenes. You can always be kind of good, but, uh, you know, hiring one of the best coaches, just think Phil Jackson with the talent he had early. um, Coaches are going to be able to sway the uh, tide a little bit here in the uh, Dota 2 world. Absolutely. It helps to have someone who can be totally objective and put their ego aside and tell his team what they did wrong. And I think uh, Liquid's choices to bring in Blitz and Heen gives them probably more combined experience than any other team in this event by a long shot. Do you feel like the North American teams have any shot at even competing in this tournament? They've struggled in recent ones, and especially the Shanghai Major. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Uh, Well, I'm kind of sad to say I think complexity is not going to go far at all. Uh, them making it far was, it feels like it was really dependent on them doing well in their group and they lost both their matches. So they're going to start out in the lower bracket. Um, they might be one of the first teams to be eliminated. Okay. Complexity didn't just lose. Complexity got absolutely shellacked. Look at that game one score that they played against newbie 28 to two. That is not, (laughs) that is not a mistake. 28 to two. They even got their heroes. They got the IO, they got the Bristleback, they got Slark. Those are all heroes they love to play. Yeah, yeah, and they just ramrod it. And it didn't get any better, really, in Game 2, getting beat 17-6. to I mean, destroyed. I don't have much hope for complexity at this point. I think the major North American hopes at this point are EG and uh, Digital Chaos. I think this new EG is definitely a different team. They don't play as flashy, and it seems like they win... They, they're winning a lot less than the old EG, but I think they're still impressive. They're still a world-class team, and they've definitely got a shot at making it far, but I don't think that they can do that thing that EG does where they drop to the lower bracket and then win every game through to the grand finals. I think if they drop, it's going to be really tough for them to make it all the way. Well, it's talk- funny. You said you said the thing. I mean, that honestly seems to be their MO for at least the last couple tournaments. It's almost like they purposely yeah. are dropping that lower bracket. And PPD has said that they learn a lot from their losses, but I think in a tournament like this, sure, it's great if you're learning a lot from your losses, but if you get knocked down to this lower bracket, you're against, now you've got to play from the other group. There's Secret and there's Wings, so that's already some top-tier competition right there. Yeah, so Jack, you talked about Digital Chaos just a bit. Look at those guys. I mean, they had to go through the bottom bracket in order to uh, come out as top two in Group B, but... uh. Look at that match against Wings, man. Beat them two to nothing. Beat them yeah. pretty handily in the first game. Took just under an hour to beat them in game two. So uh, I think you may be onto something. You know, with Digital Chaos, maybe the last great hope of North American Dota two. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, they've got a really, really impressive team. I think adding um, Weeha and Misery to yeah. that roster added a lot in terms of experience. Sure. Especially they've brought on a coach as well. They've got uh, Piecat. Okay. Coaching them. So they've got a lot of experience and, you know, they've got that young talent and resolution and Moo, two of the more promising young players right now. Um, I think that just because they got off to such a strong start, I think they're in a really great position to do well because all American teams, they play a lot based on their 
their passions, their heart. So if they get off to a good start, they'll probably go far. I honestly would, I would place them at least top eight. I think they could definitely make a run for top four at this tournament. Wow, that'd be great. Yeah. um, They still got stuff they can turn to as well. They haven't done, they haven't had to bust out the Weeha Meepo yet. So, you know, that's a, (laughs) that's a free game at some point. Um, I, I think they're in a really great spot. They start in the upper bracket, which is great. So look at the resurgence of newbie. You know, these guys, they, they take complexity, like we talked about, absolutely crush those guys, and then crushed OG. You know, they're going to be the first place finishers out of Group A coming into the playoff bracket. But Newbie was a, a, a team in flux. They were struggling a little bit, and it seems like uh, they're saving their best for this major. What do you see uh, in the differences in Newbie of how they were playing and then how they're playing now that they got here to Manila? Well, frankly, I think this is just one of those things that you can chalk up to hard work and dedication. I mean, people make fun of Newbie for after TI4, they went and played Warcraft 3 RPGs for a year. <laughs> but this is a this is a very different team. They've got um, they've got Chuan. He's added a lot of leadership to that squad that I think they needed. Absolutely, yeah. And then they've kept their players like how is Honestly, he's like a totally new player at this point. He's, oh, he's on like fire out right of his now. mind the past couple weeks. <laughs> Absolutely, he's on fire, no doubt. Yeah, and uh, even their supports, I think Kaka is probably the most valuable player on that team at the moment. Just a fun name to say. <laughs> and no matter what hero you give him, he performs. And having a player like that on your team is just an invaluable asset. Maybe you've hit this before in your previous answers to questions, but I'm curious, is there a team that you really felt improved heading into the Manila Major enough where you thought they might they might have been a team that would go out but now is uh, in contention to be placing and making some money? Uh, well, I think we're going to have to come back to Digital Chaos here again. Um, okay. Just because going into this Major, I really expected them to go the route of every American team that's not EG and just bomb out as fast as possible. But uh, they've added, like I said, Weha and Misery. They brought in Resolution from Europe. So you know, it's kind of it's an American mixed team at this point, but um, they're playing so much better than they were before this major. I mean, they were dropping games to teams like <laughs> the Shazam, Dragneel, Complexity in North America. Was that in Canada Cup Season Seven playoffs? Yeah, probably a couple of those games yeah. were in Canada Cup. <laughs> yeah, and then I mean, before this event, they beat Complexity like four times in a row. <laughs> oh wow! And. Just they seem to really kick it up into into high gear. I don't know if they've got, you know, a really nice house or if Suns fan is just paying them some extra money, but they've totally turned around. Other than that, I think, uh, yeah, like you said, newbie, and we'll have to see going into tomorrow how Vici Reborn plays. I'm actually and Fnatic. I'm anxious to see them play. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that. So getting to Group C, we've got Team Liquid, Alliance, VC Gaming Reborn, and Fnatic. Now, one of the things that that came across when I was looking at the VC Gaming Reborn, is VC Gaming still split up in the two teams, or did they just simply rename VC Gaming to VC Gaming Reborn in some kind of Phoenix-like atmosphere to try and win some games? What what, what do you know about that? Uh, I believe Reborn was supposed to be their youth team. Like, uh, they would pick their up, kind of like a... Newbie Young. Yeah, like a minor league team yeah, to yeah. feed into their main team. But uh, I can't remember the tournament right now off the top of my head, but the Vici R squad actually beat the Vici main squad and went on to just 
prove themselves or prove that they're a better team. There's still that Vici squad, and it's got you know Silar, uh, Cty, those guys. But I think they're mostly about this reborn squad, although they haven't played much. Okay, well, let's just get back to uh, the Group C and what you see in this. Again, it's Team Liquid, Alliance, VC Gaming Reborn, and Fnatic. Um, in your opinion, who do you see coming out as the top two in this pool? And uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think number one's going to be Liquid. Um, I think they're going to two other way out of this group. Um, yeah, I think the only team here that's going to give them a run for their money is Fnatic. Uh, I could see them definitely dropping a series to Fnatic, but I think they're still going to finish at least first or second overall in the group. Second place is kind of a toss-up, to be honest. Uh, I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd give it to Fnatic, but I don't really like this new Fnatic without Net as much as I did um, the squad with Net and without Mushi. They're still playing well, but it just seems like uh, their their wins seem to they seem to be less in control of their games than they did with Net playing carry. So I think it's kind of a toss-up between those bottom three. You know, Alliance, they can always surprise at a tournament. Um, Vici Gaming Reborn, we haven't really seen them play much since... Uh, well, they played in the Summit 5 qualifiers, lost 2-3 uh, to three to Wings. But they haven't played a whole lot leading up to this event. But Jack, yeah. I want to move on to Group D and get your opinion on that. Um, you've got the North American crowd favorites and evil geniuses with uh, Mindski... MVP Phoenix and LGD Gaming in that Group D matchup. What are your thoughts on that? Who do you see coming out first or second in that group? Uh, I think first and second place has got to be EG MVP. Um, although, to be honest, I think MVP will take the first place in this group over EG. Um, LGD, I don't... I'm one of those people that disagreed with Valve when they gave them the invite. Who should it have gone to? Who did Who did you think it could have gone to? Ehome. That's not a bad choice, especially, you know, it's funny. Ehome was playing really well. They had one bad tournament, and then they got thrown out of Epicenter Moscow, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. They weren't very happy about that. It's like you have one bad tournament in this esports world, and people start tossing you out of tournaments. Well, I almost yeah. wonder if it's a situation where the people that are booking this thing are like, well, they're they're falling down, and they might not be having incentive to have them in this kind of tournament. Um, I'll, I mean, if they're worried about that, then why bring LGD? I mean, their results recently are not very impressive. They lost to Alliance at World Cyber Arena last year. That's the last major tournament they played in. Um, I'm just not super convinced. I I think a lot of the reason LGD is here is just because Zhao8 is on that team, and he seems to go to every major. Okay, so looking at that group, I mean, you've got... You've got Evil Geniuses and MVP uh, Phoenix coming out one and two, and you've got uh, Phoenix on top. Talk to me about, again, like this Evil Geniuses squad. It seems like they keep, they'll win an absolutely major tournament, and then they keep moving their roster around. Um, they've had some roster switches with some notable returns, uh, return players here in the last uh, three or four months. What's your take on Evil Geniuses as a team? Um... I think as long as they have PPD as the captain of that team, they will always be relevant. Okay. I think he's one of the people in the scene that can take almost any players you give to him and make a solid team out of it. Oh, interesting. One of the things about old EG that was really impressive was even though they had players like Arteezy and Sumail, they still played very team-based Dota, even if 
you know, you can let Artizi or Samuel off the leash every now and then and they'll win a game by themselves, like with a uh, 6.84 Storm Spirit or something like that. <laughs> but they can always fall back and play extremely solid team-based Dota where they just out-execute the enemy in fights and 5v5s or they pick a strategy and run it to perfection. So, Jack, we've, we've kind of touched upon who you think's going to come out of these groups and Group A and B... Uh, in terms of the top two and bottom two, do do you think that teams like the format that everybody comes out of group and we get to see a very large playoff bracket with uh, best of ones and the lower bracket? Um, obviously, an advantage to be in the upper bracket where it's a best of three, and then yeah. you still yeah, and then you still get another swing at it if you lose. Um, what do you think about this playoff bracket where? Everybody gets to go, and is there an advantage for any one team that you see with this kind of bracket? Well, I think it's obviously it sucks to be eliminated on a best of one, but I think a bracket like this is, um, I think it's really great because everyone does get out of the group stages, and even if you have a bad group, you can still make it all the way to the grand final. Um, As far as a team that this benefits specifically, you know, if it were EG before the roster swaps, I would have said EG hands down just because they can drop to the lower bracket, learn from their mistakes, as PPD said, and then push their way all the way to the final. Um, I still think that they stand a good chance of doing that, but it's going to be much, much, much harder than it has for them in the past. Other than EG, I think I think a format like this benefits a team like Digital Chaos a lot because it means that they can afford to stumble and still have a chance to pick themselves back up again, as opposed to losing a series and being eliminated. All right, Jack, last question for you. After the misery that we saw at the Shanghai Major and all the bad things that happened in there, (laughs) is there a way that Valve can rebound for this Manila Major and really make it into the tournament that fans and experts analysis like ourselves expect a professional esports organization to put together? Well, I think the first major hurdle... Uh, for that is the production company that they hire. And as I'm sure we all know, Perfect World handled the Shanghai Major, uh, did a pretty terrible job. Yeah, was anything about that? Yeah, yeah, I would say mishandled. (laughs) I would say mishandled the Shanghai Major. (laughs) A lot of that, it has to fall on Valve because they've seen Perfect World events in the past. They've licensed out uh, Dota to Perfect World to handle in China. And if you've ever tried to spectate a Chinese game that's being covered by an American or European commentator, it's, you know, a complete disaster most of the time. (laughs) Other than that, I think that they made a huge, huge error hiring James Harding or uh, Too Good. Nothing against uh, his hosting style. I actually really, really enjoy events that he works on. Um, I miss when he used to work with Dream League. Those were some of my favorite tournaments to watch. But when you hire a guy like that, you have to know what you're getting. And it seems like they didn't, which is odd because you could go and watch any tournament he's casted or watch. I don't know if you guys remember, he used to do a show called The Good Show. Um, Sure. You could go watch five minutes of that and you know exactly what you're in for. Like he is, he's rude. He curses. He's going to talk shit to your players. He might come in drunk. Masturbation and misogyny. That's what he's going to talk about on his, uh, his show. He's got, you know, he's got a unique, a unique sense of humor. You got to know what you're in for, and Valve obviously didn't. So avoiding another blunder like that, because it looks really bad to fire your host after day one and then bring in. <laughs> uh, they had uh, Shiver and Cobble Guy, I think. 
who came completely unprepared to do that role, you know. But I think they've done a really good job with Manila so far. They got Red Eye, who's, I think, no matter who you ask, uh, he's probably the best host in the game right now. For whatever game you bring him on to, he does Counter-Strike, League of Legends, uh, Dota, whatever. And PGL is a pretty excellent company. I don't. I think this is their first time working in Dota, but from what I've seen, their Counter Strike events have been fantastic. So I think well, I'm Valve's, expecting big things from them. I, I just I don't think you can have the same type of event that you had with Shanghai uh, with the Manila Major and still expect to be a successful thing in esports. I, I just don't know yeah. if that's even possible at this point. I, I definitely agree. I think two of those blunders, especially back to back, is just that's quite a hole to dig yourself out of, to say the least. Well, Jack, thanks for coming on today. I, I'm happy that we could have you on to discuss some Dota 2 action, the Manila Major. Um, what are your final thoughts for the end of the group stages here? Um, I'm really excited to see how this plays out. I'm most looking forward to... Actually, I'm most looking forward to see Vici Gaming Reborn play because I have no idea what to expect from this team. All right, well, Jack, once again, thank you so much for coming on Get Wrecked. Uh, your knowledge of the game is outstanding, man. We look forward to uh, uh, reading your notes and uh, looking for articles on rotowire.com and ESPN. And Jack, do you uh, you have any social media that people can uh, follow you on? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Jack Ballinger, B-A-L-L-E-N-G-E-R. That was Jack Ballinger from rotowire.com talking to you about everything Dota 2 and the Manila Major. That's it for this special edition of Get Wrecked. Um, Wow, what an exciting podcast. We had three different guests on, uh, all giving great information. And, uh, you know, they were really fun to listen to, not just boring drolls. So that was actually kind of exciting. So uh, for Joe Bartle, I'm Kevin Hitt. We're Get Wrecked. We're out of here.